Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's October 14th, 1586, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that Mary, Queen of Scots, the one with the orange hair and makeup, was put on trial for plotting to assassinate her cousin, Queen Elizabeth I, the other one with the orange hair and the makeup. <laughs> it was fashionable then. Uh, and spoiler, by springtime, she'd been executed. So ultimately, this didn't work out well for her. But right at the beginning, at least, she entered the court and she was entirely defiant. She said the court isn't legitimate. She hadn't been allowed a legal defence. She wasn't able to call any witnesses and she wasn't even permitted to examine any of the documents that were going to be used against her. So she was like, this is a sham from the start. She also said, I can't be tried for treason because I am not a subject of the English Queen, which was technically true, but at this point she had already been imprisoned by England for like 19 years. So, you know, they they were obviously not constraining themselves to the boundaries of what was acceptable. (laughs) She was on trial for treason, quite a serious crime, (laughs) in 1586. Um, And as Rebecca said, had been uh, in Elizabeth's custody, they called it, didn't they, uh, for 18 years. This was after she'd fled from Scotland to England in 1567, at which point her infant son James was put on the throne. I know, mad. We'll talk about that another day. <laughs> yes, yeah, she'd actually had to flee Scotland in quite um, tempestuous circumstances. First, she was married to the the Crown Prince of France, who would later sh- briefly be the King of France before he died. Don't have time to get into that one. <laughs> then she returned to the to Great Britain and she married her cousin, Lord Darnley. Um, they had quite a tumultuous marriage. And when I say tumultuous, I mean he suspected her secretary of being her lover, so he stabbed him to death in front of her at dinner while she was pregnant. And then, <laughs> and then he died in this really tragic uh, house explosion and strangulation accident. <laughs> it was just the most tragic thing. <laughs> Yes, there was a random explosion at the abbey he'd been staying at, and he was discovered not only presumably partially exploded, but he'd also been smothered, which just seems like, you know, that's really going above and beyond, isn't it? But But then she she had to abdicate the Scottish throne, not because of orchestrating any accident, quote-unquote, but why? The problem was that she then decided to marry the prime suspect Mm. in the murder of Lord Darnley, who was the Earl of Bothwell, which didn't, as you can imagine, didn't go down particularly well with uh, the Scottish people. And so then a bunch of lords basically rebelled against the pair of them and she ended up having to flee. And she was first imprisoned in Scotland, but then managed to escape from this castle that she was being imprisoned in and fled to England where she was imprisoned in a castle. (laughs) (laughs) Where she then started writing letters and this is what did for her mm. right so she this is the the babington plot it was called it was led by this catholic guy called anthony babington and it was about her answering actually i suppose the uh, wishes of many of uh, elizabeth's catholic subjects who believed that she mary queen of scots was the rightful queen of england by plotting to overthrow elizabeth the first and she did that by writing letters to her co-conspirators 
in code in beer barrels not actual beer barrels as you can imagine notes sent that way would get very wet but they were <laughs> put inside the stoppers that held the beer barrels closed so there were over a hundred different ciphers that i'm guessing she created i don't know if she had her own cryptologist on hand <laughs> to create this code for her we should never have given her that cryptologist <laughs> <laughs> she must have had her own bit of parchment to hand mustn't she with all of the little squiggles and what they meant that she had to keep referring to so it's it's quite intricate. Mm. It's like a cross is the Pope. I mean, that sounds crude, but it's not a Christian cross. And then there's kind of like a half ambassand is France, mm. for example. So then when you, you really wouldn't have been able to read her messages unless you knew what the code was. And it makes me think, like, yes, of course she needed a code because what she was discussing was killing the Queen. But at the same time, like, what else would she be discussing yeah. in code? Like, as soon as you saw the coded <laughs> writing, you're like, oh, OK, for there's sure. a plot. Mary, Queen of Scots, wasn't supposed to be communicating with anyone and people weren't supposed to be writing to her. So this was the only way to pass messages. Unfortunately... Queen Elizabeth's spymaster, who was called Francis Walsingham, had already got wind that there was something going on here. So he had his own agents planted in the castle. And unfortunately for Mary, they were intercepting and decoding all of the messages. And just to go back one step as well, the reason why she wasn't able to communicate with anyone was because of a previous plot called the Throckmorton plot, which we also (laughs) don't have time to go into, where she had been involved in communication that was potentially going to unseat Queen Elizabeth. And so they banned her from communicating (laughs) with anyone. I mean, historians are still divided on what involvement she had, but for somebody who says she wasn't trying to do any plotting, she was connected to a lot of plots. Yeah. She had These days it just... would be the autoprompt, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> Mary, I Queen mean... of Scots, plot, question mark? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was the Rodolfi plot, a plan to replace Elizabeth with Mary with the help of Spanish troops and the Duke of Norfolk. Pope Gregory Thirteenth even had a plot that he wanted her to get in on. I didn't realise how international this whole controversy went, because I think in my head I'd always thought of it as being a Scotland versus Englandy kind mm. of thing, but it was a Catholic versus Protestant yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, because Catholics, I mean, this don't you think when you're in school they teach you that Henry VIII, you know, dismantled the the Catholic Church in England, blah blah blah, blah and then that was it. Everyone was a bit annoyed totally. and then they got over it. But even yeah. in this era, it was still so far from being settled as to raw. whether England would be Protestant yeah. or Catholic. Yeah. yeah, and if you were a Catholic, because Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII were not technically married officially when yes. Anne Boleyn became pregnant with Elizabeth, Catholics were just like, this is just an illegitimate daughter and she should never have been on the throne in the first place. And Mary is the next rightful person in line to the throne of England. Which actually, when you look at it now as well, you see it as Henry VIII's problem, all Mm. this. Like, whether Mm. you feel sorry for Mary or sorry for Elizabeth, I sort of feel sorry for all of the women that Henry VIII left behind in his way. Mm. I mean, like, all of this is his fault, isn't it? Like, he he created his own church so he could marry the woman that he wanted. Then he insisted on having a son but failed and ended up with a daughter that he then didn't, you know, properly respect and regard and make plans for. And then this happens. It's all his fault. Not that you needed many excuses to be trying to engage in a spot of regicide back in the day. I mean, everyone was trying to kill everyone. And, you know, the Spanish king was up against the, you know, the, the French and the French was up against the English. And, you know, you sort of had this veneer of uh, religion that hung over the top of it. But you can imagine mm. that they would have found other excuses to invade one another had it not existed. And Mary... Queen of Scots, who I will be now referring to as Mary, Queen of Plots. <laughs> the letter she wrote this year, there was a lot of back and forth thing. When you look at the transcripts of the notes, they're all written in this quite highfalutin language and they don't really come out and say exactly what they're doing. But Mary kind of sealed her fate when the final note that was intercepted, she'd just written, let the great plot mm, commence. Yeah. But again, 
hey listen i hate plots she's like those people that say i i hate drama but they're always involved in drama (laughs) (laughs) which brings us to the death itself uh which was on february 8th 1587 at the age of 44 mary queen of scots approached the block she cast off her black gown to reveal this red dress underneath which was the shade apparently of catholic martyrdom so she already had in mind what the obit was going to read and i must say that the death itself was pretty horrendous basically it took three attempts to get it right but then there's this one final bit of indignity where the executioner picks up her head to show it to the crowd which i guess was part of the course and in doing so her head fell to the ground and it was revealed that her lovely locks of red hair were in fact a wig and underneath she had this Ah. sort of relatively short grey hair which I imagine was part of the plan to sort of start to undo the mythology connected with Mary Queen of Scots as being this beautiful, talented, quite um, sort of romantic figure. There's also this pathetic scene that I've seen described of her dog, apparently, uh, yeah. not departing her corpse after she was dead. Like, yeah. you know, it came and lay between her head and her shoulders. Yes, it had apparently hidden itself in the folds of her petticoat, which means she probably came in a pretty big petticoat. Yeah. <laughs> she, she had a wig on and a dog in yeah. the petticoat. <laughs> what an outfit. Yeah, and then it snuck out, and according to John Guy, a chap who wrote a biography of her, Queen of Scots, The True Life of Mary Stuart, he said, when detected, it ran about wailing miserably and lay down in the widening pool of blood between her severed head and shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Tomorrow. The leanest, most ungainly mass of legs, arms and hatchet face ever strung upon a single frame. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 